If you have rhythm issues, sleep issues, energy issues, you have to reset your clock gene. It's free and easy. Sleep in the dark, get off your light, bright stuff at night, wind down, and in the morning, get try to get some lightness, some brightness into your eyes. I am a woman on a mission that is dedicated to teaching you just how powerful your body was built to be. I like to do that by bringing you the latest science, the greatest thought leaders, and applicable steps that help you tap into your own internal healing power. The purpose of this podcast is to give you the power back and help you believe in yourself again. My name is Dr. Mindy Pels, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Resetters, I am bringing you one of my favorite people on the planet, Dr. Carrie Jones. She is the medical director for the Dutch test. And hopefully you all know how much I love that hormone test. It, it can reveal so much information for both men and women. And in this episode, we talk all things hormones. I actually interviewed her last year. I'm bringing her back because I had some very specific questions like, can we drink wine? What does wine do to our hormones? How can we support our liver? What can we do to get better sleep? And the most common finding that we have on the Dutch tests that we do, what does that mean? And you're going to have to wait to hear in the episode what that finding is. But Dr. Carrie Jones, I adore this woman. It was an incredible interview. We have had so much fun together. And I can't wait for you to enjoy this information as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Hey, Recenters. As we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My Academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's Dr. Mindy Pels. 
Facebook.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. If you're looking at the first page of the Dutch test, what do you think? I'm going to put a quiz at you now. What do you think the, the one hormone that we consistently see low, one unexpected hormone that we consistently, consistently see low on these women? Oh, over 40? I was going to say testosterone. Yes! <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yay! You, this is why this you're the hormone smart. expert. <laughs> Okay, why? Why? I'm going to say 99% of women over, and men too, we do some male Dutch tests, are low in testosterone. Why? Testosterone in women are made in three different places. So it's made 20 to 25% in the ovaries, 20 to 25% in the adrenal glands, and the rest is made in peripheral tissue, most usually often fat tissue, adipose tissue. So as women are going into perimenopause and menopause and their ovaries are actively doing the shutdown I'm not making hormones thing then testosterone is the first to drop because testosterone is the first hormone you have to create in the ovaries to create any of the other hormones so in the ovaries if you want to create estrogen and then if you want to create progesterone you have to have to have to create testosterone and androsynodione first now Women go, hold on, but I have lots of estrogen as I get. Like, what's, where's all this extra estrogen coming from? Women, we can make it in our fat tissue. We can aromatase it in our fat tissue. And so um, we have other areas beside the over, besides the ovaries that we make it. So as women are shutting down their ovaries, if they're not functioning that well, we lose 20 to 25% of our testosterone. And then moving to our adrenal glands, if we're not doing so hot in the stress response and uh, we're starting to bottom out and burn out, not only does it affect our cortisol, but it affects our androgen production, as we call it, our testosterone, D-H-E-A-S, androsynodione, those, those core hormones. And so I, we see it a lot, women, as they get older. Um, it's a super unfair, um, I don't even know the right word, biologic, prehistoric, crappy thing we got stuck with (laughs) you know and I was joking the other day I'm not joking I'm telling the truth but I joke when I say it is I was on a I was doing a webinar and I was saying how you know women biologically are built are made created to have the babies whether you have babies or not I didn't have a baby you know like but my I know my body is constantly surveying like is it safe enough for a baby is it safe enough for a baby Mm -hmm. and then for the women who did have the babies right you have the babies and then as you get older you would think you would think that biology would go, congratulations, thank you for all your service, we're going to make you svelte, we're going to give you all this energy, we're going to make your hair long and luscious, we're going to give you the sex drive of a 16-year-old, it's going to be amazing. And instead, it's like, thank you for your service, here's perimenopause. Like, what? Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, I actually, we lose testosterone. So then we lose it. And do we ever get it back? So I have this core group of women. So as women are in perimenopause, because the brain is constantly yelling at the ovaries, make a hormone, do something, there's a temporary time where the group of cells that make testosterone, they're called theca cells, they get thick. And when they get thick, they do kind of like temporarily pump out more androgens. So there's this crazy weird time in perimenopause where women do get more testosterone and then it kind of falls off because you're losing 
these cells, you're losing these theca cells. And and then once they hit menopause, they, they don't really get it back because you've lost the ovarian, the 20 to 25% part out of the ovaries. Yeah. And now you're just relying on your excess tissue all around you and your in your ovaries to make up the slack. So you never make it up necessarily a hundred percent. I definitely have women that maintain libido and maintain all these things to a decent degree. And, but majority of women are like, yeah, that left a long time ago. I don't, I don't have that anymore. I would like more of that. Yes. So I test, this is why I wanted to start with testosterone. I think, I mean, all the hormones impact our behavior, Mm -hmm. but I feel like testosterone impacts your relationships. Mm -hmm. And when you start to look at women over 40, what's happening to women that are in heterosexual relationships, they're like, you know, maybe their kids have like grown up, Mm -hmm. they're like off to college, that's stressful. Mm -hmm. And like they're left at home with their spouse. And now a man's, I want to talk about a man's testosterone levels here, but his levels aren't changing. Your levels are plummeting. Mm -hmm. Your progesterone's plummeting. So you're anxious all the time. And that to me seems like a recipe. You're gaining weight because your estrogen, you're in, become insulin resistant. That yep. seems like a recipe for divorce. I, and I hear that from a lot of um, practitioners who work with the perimenopause, menopause subset of women where they say, I feel like if women were educated about perimenopause and menopause, not even just women, men too, right? But like, doesn't matter if you're homosexual, heterosexual, it doesn't matter. I feel like if women were just educated of what happens in the perimenopause, menopause time, we'd probably save a lot of relationships. Now, that's somewhat tongue-in-cheek. You know, don't hold me to that. If you're in a bad relationship, don't be in it. But at the same time, women are going through such a transition. And um, like I said, like we're not getting luscious hair and we're not getting all the energy and we're not getting, you know, lots of sleep and we're not getting this felt body that we were hoping for. And in fact, we're getting the opposite. And so it doesn't, the hormonal shift isn't exactly uh, ideal for an ideal relationship. And it's not even our partner relationship. It can be all relationships, how you feel at work, mm-hmm. how you interact with your kids, Great. how you snap the person at the grocery store, you know, how you feel about yourself. I mean, it can be really damaging as you make this transition. And what's even worse, as you know, because you read about this, is that the transition can be long, you know, it can be it's long years, it's long and years. arduous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I, yeah. you know, and so it's really like your goal, one of my goal, I'm 44. So one of my big goals is explaining to women what's happening. So they go, Oh, so I'm not crazy. Yes. Yes. I'm not crazy. Okay. Oh my gosh. I thought I was going crazy. I'm like, Nope. <laughs> yep. No, you are not. It would be helpful. And tell your partner. Tell your partner what's happening with you so they can have a little understanding of, oh, okay, yeah, like puberty, but in reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they weren't with you when they right. when you went through puberty. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so they don't exactly. They don't know what that's like. Yeah, I was the the other day. I was listening to um a uh, a male expert talk about uh, menopausal mm-hmm. hormones, and no disrespect, he definitely had his knew his hormones and knew mm-hmm. everything. But I was like, oh man, you don't know until you live it. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's like an alien hijacks your brain and you literally cannot, <laughs> like you can't get it under control. And it, yeah. and it takes, that's why I wrote the book is like, it takes a life consistent lifestyle mm-hmm. change, but it's so easy to look outside of ourselves and be like, it's your fault. Yep. It's your fault. Yep. <laughs> it's your yep. fault. 
Yeah. And I just, I don't know how we get that out to women. So I wish, and it needs to start young. Um, I I mean, I, I know when we're all in middle school, nobody wants to hear about menopause in middle school, but at least if somebody had said here, we're going to explain whatever sex ed 101, we're going to talk to you about puberty and we're just going to throw this at you, this thing about menopause, just so when you get older, it's not going to be a total surprise. You can be like, I think I heard about that when I was 13. Okay, that makes sense. And then just continually sort of updating women, you know, when they go for their annual exam, like, here's what's coming up. You know, like, like kids, like kids go to see their pediatrician, you know, for milestone checkups. Like women should too. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. We need, we need milestone checkups. Like, okay, you're in yeah. your 20s now. You know, here's what, you know, okay, you're in your 30s now. Okay, you're in your 40s now. Like, okay, thank you. That'd, it could be like be an oil, it could be like an oil check. Like, you know, like we need to have like, Hey, this is the new hormonal phase. Like you're about to get depleted in this mm-hmm. hormone. So you might want to pay attention mm-hmm. to it. So why yeah. on the Dutch test, is there no, uh, postmenopausal range for testosterone? So there is now, uh, well, there's age ranges, oh. so it doesn't have the little purple okay. box, but we do have the age range. Yeah. And the reason we don't have a, um, true, like an estrogen progesterone, we actually show you the postmenopausal range because not all women hit that testosterone range of, you know, just because you're over 50 doesn't mean you're going to have, doesn't mean you're going to have a low testosterone. Um, And whereas when with estrogen and progesterone, we know real consistently if you, Mm. if your ovaries are done, here's what your estrogen and your progesterone looks like. Um, Whereas testosterone doesn't always follow that same mindset. And so, um, and I don't want to falsely give women the impression that your testosterone's high just because like you are in your fifties as an example, but you have the testosterone of a 30 year old. I'm like, hold on to that. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, thank your your lucky stars every day. Yes, absolutely. Um, Now, there's always, uh, of course, testosterone can cause problems and testosterone and estrogen imbalance can be an issue for some women. Um, But to my to the women listening who are like, you know what, actually, my libido is pretty good and I'm feeling pretty, you know, pretty sweet in that department. I'm like, okay, then hold on to it. You know, like I'm not going to tell you. Oh, you're too high, you know, when honestly you feel good. So that's the only yeah. reason. That's the one hormone okay. that we're like. Okay, I was just uh, hard, to, hard to categorize it like that. Yeah. So, okay, so with testosterone, we've got age over 40. There's mm-hmm. going to be a natural production. We've got, okay, so you're stressed out and your adrenals are making part of your testosterone mm-hmm. load. So we've got that. Mm-hmm. Where, what about insulin resistance? Yeah. Does that play a part in this? It, well, so insulin resistance, I feel, plays a part um, High insulin actually can increase testosterone, but we know that insulin resistance can actually uh, affect so many other hormones, whether it's estrogen, progesterone, cortisol in the brain, that that then makes you feel like you have low testosterone. So insulin resistance and glucose issues can make you feel tired and it can make you feel moody and it can make you feel maybe unmotivated, maybe unattractive. And so you are like, look, I'm not in the mood but you're thinking, oh, I must have low testosterone because I don't, I don't, I'm never in the mood, right? I don't have a libido. And really it's the other hormones kind of killing the switch. Got it. Okay. And are there foods we can eat to raise testosterone? Wouldn't that be nice? I swear I would just 
If I knew, I would just be like, <laughs> what about what about oysters? Isn't that, the, um, isn't that what we're supposed to do to get it's the, the aphrodisia? It's the zinc. It's the zinc and oysters that um, ah. so zinc supportive foods and. Um, and what do you do if you don't like oysters? I don't like oysters. So what am I supposed yeah. to do? Yeah, unfortunately, there's not a Eat food that, yeah, I know, that doesn't, you know. I mean, if I told you, I swear, if if it was that simple, I mean, if it was like, eat pineapple, your testosterone will go up. I mean, Dole had better look out. Women of the world <laughs> would invest. You think Bitcoin's right. worth a lot of money? Uh-uh. If I told you if it was pineapple... <laughs> We'd be all. Let's do a test, right? Let's see. Do it on. Let's try it out on your Instagram. Let's see what happens. Oh no, no, no! Can't be. Yeah, it's. I get asked. I mean, I'm sure you do too. Like, what's the one thing I can take to raise testosterone? And I tell yeah. women, as a woman in her 40s, I promise I would tell you if I knew the secret sauce. I would, I would, I would just drop it by the airplane all across the United States, all across the world. You know, I swear yeah. I wouldn't hold back. I'm not holding it to myself. Right. I would tell you. You're not like, you're not like, I'm hoarding. I, I know. You know. don't. I know. I don't have like boxes of a magic pill over here that I'm like stocked up on for my, no, I would tell you. It is that, definitely that a combination helpful. of a lot of things. Um, and there's, I mean, besides your book, there's another book that I really like. It's called Come As You Are and it's uh, Emily Nagoski. And okay. um, she talks about – it's a lot about hormone to a degree, but also um, as we were talking – like mind – our mind frame around libido and testosterone. And so – because, yeah. you know, we get asked as women like, well, how come I used to be ready to go in my 20s and now I'm 40 or 50 and I'm not ready to go? I'm like, uh, there's a big difference in your life between yeah, 20 right? and 50. You were staying up till 3, 4 in the morning, parting your little pants out in, t- in your 20s, and now you go to bed at 9 and think – this is so nice. Right. <laughs> right. Did I get enough and water today? <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, I think you're old. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you've got kids and you've got a job. And just like you were saying, your kids are transitioning and you're at the height of your career and you've got older parents and you're, you know, we have a pandemic yeah. happening and, you know, there's just, and, 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 and it's hard to be in the mood like men because men have proportionally more testosterone. You know, they have a, they have a full bucket of testosterone and we have like, a few drops, like, you know, comparatively. Right. And so it's like, why are men always in the mood? I'm like, cause they literally not all, I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing, but, um, stereotypically when men have robust testosterone, it's still so much higher than our testosterone. So theirs goes up a little bit and they're like game on and Argus goes up a little bit and we're still like me. <laughs> right. We're like, maybe, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> Kind of the kind of the go-to answer. Yeah. So I've actually thought about the difference if you just look at how men, when they secrete testosterone, com- compared to women. So mm-hmm. if men are are making testosterone every couple of hours, and we get a burst of it in a like a small little section while we ovulate, that's a mismatch right there. Yeah. And men make it in, in their sleep because men. There was a study where they took uh, just a small handful of men. It was a small study, but still, they cut their sleep down, I think, to five hours a night. And they found that just cutting their sleep to five hours decreased their testosterone 10 to 15% production. But then when they got their sleep back, when they went back to like eight hours, their testosterone went back up. And so I have women that ask me, "If if I sleep eight hours... Will I get that same effect? I'm like, unfortunately, no. I mean, sleep absolutely helps, but men truly make it in their sleep. And um, 
you know, they that they get this big surge, and which is why they wake up with, you know, should wake up with morning erections because the testosterone is surging. Whereas women, just like you said, it's our our surge is is like right around ovulation. So our surge is two days a month, thirty days a month. Right. You know, I mean, we have it all the time, but our surge is really biological. It's to get us in the mood. So if we wanted to be pregnant, we'd be around ovulation and could be pregnant. And yeah. and then we go back down again. And then we're like, meh. Yeah. Right? What, now, this should be taught, like, like the first concept should about, like, your uh, perimenopause and how your hormones will change should be taught to 13-year-olds. This idea of mismatched testosterone should be in every premarital counseling yeah. session. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, imagine. It, imagine at if, least in the heterosexual couples. Right. It would be really helpful. I think so, too. Absolutely. And and even even in not heterosexual couples, if you're not matched up with your partner, you know, if your wife is not the same as you and and she ovulated a week ago and you ovulate in a week, like you're still oh, like, that's a great point. you know, not matched up. And so it can you're, still be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. They need to come up with something called like testosterone sinking. <laughs> yes. Like, like, yes. where, like, would that be cool? Like, yeah. you could find a way to like sync your testosterone with your partner's testosterone, and then boom, and then that make would be like magic happen. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I, I got to yeah. think on that. Huh? I know. I, I have been trying to find the research on intermittent fasting and testosterone, and I, it's not, it's not easy to find. Not in women. Yeah, it's an urban myth that's out there, but I haven't, you know, I haven't found anything that has blown my mind that intermittent fasting will do it. When you do all your teaching and everything with intermittent fasting, do you get anecdotal reports? Do you have women report back to you like, wow, my testosterone mm. went up? That's a great I question. I don't hear that. I hear other things, yeah. brain clarity, energy, maybe some weight loss, um, oh, yeah. but I don't hear libido. <laughs> but again, yeah. it's not my field, so I don't yeah. know. And we don't, you know, with our resetters, we don't talk about libido as much because I usually get the menopausal woman who's mm -hmm. just like, help, I need my brain to function, yeah, right? Yeah. And I need to drop some weight and I need my body to stop feeling horrible. Like sex is the last thing on our mind. Yep. But I bet if we asked around, we could probably get some better uh, insight. So I'll, I'll report back to yeah. you. I'll go, I'll go ask <laughs> them and let you know. Well, so. like I was saying, and, and you were saying, testosterone is not the only hormone. I mean, it gets a lot of press Again, maybe be mostly because of men and, and men's research towards libido. And they just applied it to women. But with when it comes to female libido, um, in, in like being in the mood and, and bonding and sexual motivation and reward, those are all different hormones. And so right. you – and we're – women are very – we're very hormonally driven sort of day to day as we move through our cycle. And then as we get into menopause, you know, we kind of lose that cycle part. And so – we lose those hormones that do all those other cool things such as bonding, such as love, affection, motivation. Um, we don't get that trigger as much as we used to. I mean, even estrogen, you need estrogen to make serotonin. Serotonins are, mm. you know, classically just we talk, call it our antidepressant hormone. Um, and so when women go through menopause and they're like, why am I more depressed? Because you're not, yep. you're actually not making a lot of estrogen, therefore you're actually not getting the signal to make serotonin and it, and, you know, like now you feel more depressed. And since we're on the subject of libido, like when you feel more depressed, like you surely aren't in the mood, but no. it has nothing to do with <laughs> no. testosterone necessarily. So, right. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. No, again, I just see so clearly why so many women in their 40s and beyond, mm-hmm. like why relationships fall apart. And it's a hormone at the root of it is hormones, oh, yeah. which is why fixing those hormones. Now you actually have a fighting chance mm-hmm. to fix the other problems that might be happening in the relationship. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. OK. So, uh, oh, uh, testosterone and working out. So mm. does, what influence does testosterone have on your desire to work out and your ability to build muscle? Um, I, think, I think really big, um, especially because testosterone plays a role in dopamine and dopamine is our reward hormone in our brain. And so mm. with motivation, when you're lacking motivation, we often think you're maybe lacking dopamine. Um, and then when you're in your 40s and 50s and in older and missing out on that testosterone, it's also possible you're missing out on that like dopamine poking and estrogen okay. pokes dopamine as well. So again, it's a double whammy. You, mm. you're, you've stopped cycling or you're maybe irregularly cycling in your, in your forties. Um, and so you don't get the estrogen poke for dopamine and then you don't really get the, this testosterone, do, you know, poke. And then you're like, meh, I don't really want to do this. This isn't really any, any right. fun anymore. Now, once you do exercise, I have a lot of women that report, I feel so much better after. I didn't want to, but the act of exercise, right? All the endorphins get released. You feel so much better. You're, you're working on that lean muscle and then you do, and then you, you're glad you did it, but it's, so it's, you make yourself do it. You've, you've kind of got to force yourself. I'm like, yeah. I know it sucks. Trust me. Trust me on a cold, dark morning. It's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. So I'm like, get on it, Carrie. <laughs> yeah. On. I, yeah. I would say at 51, I don't crave exercise like I did at 31. Mm-hmm. And I and I miss that craving. I like the where you're like, I, got, I just got to go for a run. I'll feel yeah. so much better. Yeah. Now it's like, I should go for a run because I'll feel better, but I don't want to. Right. And imagine the women who never had that craving um, to work out, right? right? There are definite women, men too, who don't love exercise, never loved it. Not fan of it. Do it because they have to, have to, so to speak, or they know it's good for their heart health or whatever it is, bone strength. And uh, now as they get older, they're like, it's even worse. Like, I know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then what about, what about toxins? I found an interesting article as I was putting together this new book on fasting for women, mm-hmm. and I found uh, phthalates yeah. can actually be testosterone-like mimickers. Mi- you heard that mimickers like they, or killers that's uh well the way that the article said is it was like a, a block of block like receptor sites for testosterone oh right 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 yeah yeah i have heard that have you heard differently i have heard no i have heard that yep yep so blocking the receptor site though means um so if it binds the receptor site, you have two options. One, you just block it and you're dead in the water. It doesn't turn it on or do anything. Or two, it is a mimicker and it b- binds the receptor site and turns it on and now you have a testosterone-like effect. And so okay. I have read binder. in utero, uh, so in the, in, the, in the womb, that these chemicals can really affect how the baby um, how these receptors get turned on or off as we get older. So women who are exposed to phthalates as we get older, um, I've actually seen more, um, one, they can act estrogenic, which is a big problem, right? They're endocrine disruptors because which, and our endocrine system is the last thing we need to disrupt. Um, but then I actually see it sort of reduce or, uh, reduce the effect or make you feel less, uh, like you have hormone in the first place. So you feel more okay. depleted of hormone w- with some of these, um, uh, like testosterone, sorry, specifically testosterone. Right. Yeah. So would, deto- would detoxing 
uh, environmental toxins out. Huge. Elevate test. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And um, in regards to like estrogen, because they're estrogen mimickers, you as a woman may have low circulating estrogen, but these hormones are acting like estrogen. And so they're turning on receptors in places you don't want, like your breast tissue. And so it's, it's not good for testosterone. And then of course it's not good for estrogen either. And so yes, doing what you can to read labels, you know, start to switch out ingredients, start to look at, um, even little things you don't even realize, like I mean, we talk about this a lot, like storing stuff in glass instead of plastic, right? Drinking out of glass with stainless steel instead of plastic. Candles, you know, um, air purifiers and, and, or excuse me, fresheners and, you know, the things you hang in your car. Like these things that we just don't even think about. And then, and then you read about fragrance and how it can be an endocrine disruptor and you breathe it in. And a lot of people get headaches. Why do you get a headache? Because it's a chemical that you're breathing yes. in. And, yes. and then it's affecting your estrogen and testosterone. And so it's... It's, um, it can be really overwhelming. So I tell women, you know, just take it one thing at a time. When you run out of shampoo, start looking, you know, for new shampoo that doesn't have, uh, you know, sodium lauryl sulfate and phthalates. It'll say it on the bottle, right? Parabens, all this stuff. When you run out of that blush, look for a new blush, right? You know, just start to make, when you run out of your kitchen cleaner, start to look around for the next kitchen cleaner. We're going to buy it anyway. So just when you run out, use the next thing or laundry detergent, Right. Um, You may want to go ahead and and ditch that car scented thing, though. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, God. Throw this out. We've been talking. This has come up a couple times today when you get in an Uber and they have one of the Christmas trees hanging from and you're like, oh, man. Or then you put on top of that. Like if you're an Uber driver and you're listening to this, please don't put your cologne on. Don't put your Christmas tree on hanging from your, your, we don't like, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, the, we don't like it. We don't like it. (laughs) Right. Women's hormones, men too. Men's hormones don't like it either. Men's testosterone surely doesn't like estrogen mimicker. No man wants an estrogen mimicker. Well, that's not true. Not No men, but men who would prefer to stay testosterone dominant would prefer not to have endocrine uh, disruptors, well right? Because then yeah. they're like, well said. I'm developing man boobs and I'm developing a belly and I'm having erectile issues. I'm like, yeah, we can't have that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think we beat testosterone into the ground, <laughs> but, um, but here's what, here's what I think is like, when I start to put the picture together, I'm like, oh my God, like my heart hurts for women over mm-hmm. 40. Cause mm-hmm. I start to see how our hormones have like set us up for a really rough ride if we're not, uh, if we're not uh, aware of it. Yeah. So the, yeah. the second thing that we see so much on our Dutch test are the estrogen metabolites. Oh, yeah. And I find people don't have enough protective estrogen and they have too much 408 or yeah, yeah. too much 408 and 1608. Mm-hmm. And so they have the harmful. So to give us ideas like around the lifestyle mm-hmm. and what is it that makes you have good estrogen protective and what makes you have the harmful ones. Absolutely. And shameless plug. This is what I'm talking about in my Instagram all month long because it's this important to me. Yes. (laughs) I love it. And we have to talk about wine. I got to, I got to pick your brain on wine. I know that's, that's the, that is the icing on the cake. You have all these hormones missing and you just want to drink wine. Yeah. And and you you say we shouldn't. Well, I know (laughs) what is, you know, I'm, I drink the occasional wine still too. I'm not totally alcohol abstinent, but yeah. But let's go back to the hormone part, the estrogen yeah, part. Yeah, go so, back. 
So when, and this applies to men or women, I tell people this applies to all genders and all races because I get asked a lot. Um, the way, the basics of detoxification is the same in our body. So you have an estrogen and then you have to go through phase one estrogen detox and then you go through phase two and then you go through phase three. So it's a three-step process to get rid of it, to make it safe enough to eliminate. So in phase one, you have three choices, three pathways you can go down. One is considered less problematic one is considered the most problematic and one is considered like moderately problematic, depending on how you look at it. So what the, and they're numbered. So the, the two pathway is the better pathway to go down. The four pathway is not the better way to go down. And the 16 is good for bones, but not necessarily good for, for, for boobs, for breast tissue. So I tell women, if we're trying to divert ourselves down to the two pathway, which is the better pathway to go down, we're looking at eating the brassica family, the broccoli, the kale, the cauliflower. That's what we're looking because inside those vegetables, there is an ingredient called indole-3-carbonyl, I3C. And when I3C hits your, when you chew it up, the food, you chop it up, you cook, you know, you saute it and eat it, that I3C hits your stomach acid. So stomach acid is important and it breaks apart. And when it breaks apart, a big constituent is called DIM, methane, D-I-M. DIM preferentially pushes you down the two pathway. It, it activates a nifty little receptor that sort of like shunts you down to the two pathway. Okay. And so eating those foods and, and DIM are a big, are a big way uh, to be helpful. There are definitely some other things. There's um, foods that con- contain quercetin quercetin with a Q. Quercetin we often think of in the natural world in like allergy season. Quercetin is in a lot of, it's an antihistamine, it's anti-allergy, um, but it also helps to push you down the two pathway. And so um, those are like, those are some good, like either dietary or supplemental ways for, for that, for that phase one. Okay. I have a question on Please. that. Please. Yeah. So what if you want to go carnivore? So if you want to go, you believe, mm-hmm. and you believe that veggies in the toxins and vegetables are, are the harmful. devil <laughs> are the devil are the devil yes. yeah so then we focus on and and you should always do this anyway you want to focus on phase two and phase three preferentially uh in the beginning because my analogy is always the same if you've ever heard me talk i mean you have but people listening it's always a clawfoot bathtub and it's clawfoot because i'm extra as opposed to a regular bathtub <laughs> So the water coming into your bathtub is phase one. You can never turn your water off ever. Your detox is going 24-7, 365. So picture a bathtub that's always running. The drain is your phase two and the sewer line out of your house, either to your septic system or to the city sewer line is your phase three. And so basically it's liver, liver, intestinal tract or kidneys. So you're going to pee it out or poop it out in your sewer line. And so I tell people, if you're just constantly adjusting the water of your bathtub, but your drain is clogged <laughs> or your sewer line is broken, like you're going to have a big fat mess. So if right. you, sh- you really should focus on gut health first, always, no matter what, because if you are constipated, if you have parasites, if you have inflammation in the gut, that affects how you process estrogen. So if you're carnivore and you're like, vegetables are the devil, I don't do this, then you're still going to focus on the gut. You're still going to do gut health stuff. You're still going to make sure you're having regular bowel movements. You're still going to be focusing on getting rid of parasites or candida or you know reducing inflammation because that will always help with your estrogen detox. Your okay. phase two, once we, once, like looking at your drain, your drain are things 
your drain is managed by an enzyme called COMPT, C-O-M-T. A lot of people have had their COMPT tested. It's normal, fast, or slow, right? Yeah. We don't test this. We don't actually test the SNP. Um, You have to do SNP testing for that. But we test, we tell you, um, we give you an idea of if we think it's fast or slow, depending on how you get from the water through the drain. We we test both the water and the drain. We just don't test the sewer line. So that's more uh, vitamins. So we're thinking like the B vitamins. We're thinking like B12, folate, B6. Uh, zinc is a big one. Magnesium is probably the biggest uh, nutrient there. SAM, which is also known as SAMe, which is a, you know a supplement. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you're back to the carnivore example, um, if you're carnivore, you are maybe if you're taking supplements as part of your uh, multi or you know extra magnesium or a B complex or something, then those things will help your phase two work better. And then again, like I said, now we're back to phase one, but I don't ever adjust the water until I've got the sewer line connected and open. Oh, smart. And I've got the drain unclogged. You know, I've pulled all my hair out of the drain and then let it flow free. (laughs) (laughs) And then I focus on phase one. Now, um, I do get asked, especially in menopause, should should I take dim? You know, like I don't have a lot of estrogen, but I'm worried about breast cancer risk. What do I do? I actually don't give DIM or indole-3-carbinol um, to women in menopause because I don't want their estrogen lower than it is because uh, it's usually menopausally low unless yep. unless you are working with somebody in oncology. Maybe you do a breast cancer, you have a family history, you have BRCA, and your oncologist or your functional practitioner who does oncology is saying to you, you need DIM. I know you're menopausal, but you need DIM. In that case, then follow their advice 100%. But for the average menopausal woman, focus on the drain and focus on the sewer line. And yep. so the 2OH is the water coming in. The 2, the 4, saying? and the 16. They're all the water. Oh, so you can adjust the water. They're all the water. Got it. You can adjust your water, the 2, the 4. You can ju- adjust what kind of water comes in. And then your, your 2 and your 4 go through the enzyme COMPT, C-O-M-T, and basically uh, magnesium and SAMe. SAMe's the methyl donor. So the M and the T in COMPT stands for methyltransferase. It basically helps. It's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a giver. (laughs) It like like, somebody hands it a methyl and it turns around and it hands it to estrogen. That's what it does. And so when it hands the methyl to estrogen, estrogen is now neutral. And it can't yeah. cause more damage. It can't do anything. It's actually, in some cases, protective. And, and then you can get rid of it out of your body. Um, okay. And so that's that's where uh, – that's the drain. That's like, okay, okay. Like, instead of building up in the bathtub, let's, let's drain you out. And that's what magnesium helps. Zinc, the B vitamins, those sort of things all help with. Now, in there, which I, we haven't talked about, is, is your, your gallbladder. Like gallbladder health is really oh, important. Oh, please. Right? Okay. So bile Go health – those a lot of women, especially as they hit menopause, they get gallbladder issues. They lose their gallbladder. Maybe you lost your gallbladder a while ago. Um, and so, if you're experiencing gallbladder, um, the, you know, like we, there's a number of foods, I guess. You know, like choline supportive foods. Um, if you if you're eating vegetables, artichoke, <laughs> garlic, and onions. You know, these things help support beets. Beets is one of my favorites for. Um, mm for bile and, and, and the gallbladder. Okay. And so these things help just move the sewer line along. We, we like it. these things. Yeah. And I have okay. definitely, um, people do like lemon juice or apple cider vinegar, 
They'll take bitters before they eat because all of that helps to prep, 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 one, the stomach acid, but two, um, the gallbladder. You know, that oh, food is coming in to help with, with digestive enzyme production. And so yeah. I, it's awful helpful. I, I had read... Yeah, I'd read that the gallbladder was also a storage for toxins. It so is. A lot of times, yeah, mm-hmm. that you got your gallbladder removed because the toxic load got so high. But that, so just because it's out doesn't mean that your toxic load went down. Right, right. And, yeah. and you know, the gallbladder helps us with fat and protein breakdown. And so, so right. many women get their gallbladder out and they'll go, I can't, I can't eat this food now. And I, will, I would warn people, I would have, you know, I'd have patients who'd have their gallbladder out for whatever reason. And, um, I would say, look, it's going to be an exercise and experimentation for the next year or two, where you're going to be able to eat a food and then the next week you're not, or you're going to be able to, you know, eat chicken and then suddenly it's makes you nauseous. You'll have salad and then you can't, and you'll try steak and it's not working, but in two weeks from now it will. And that's just your body adjusting to the fact that you don't have a gallbladder anymore. Cause nobody tells your body when you have a, an organ or a gland removed, right? We know it consciously, but, but it's, it's not like, you know, the liver's like, okay, cool. The gallbladder's out. I got this. I'll make up for it. Like when women have a hysterectomy and they have their ovaries removed, like the the thyroid and the pancreas and the ovaries are still like, hello, (laughs) where'd the ovaries go? Do your job. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, they're they're like pecking on. Yeah, exactly. Make make me some sex hormones. Let's do something. And it takes a while for the body to go, oh, they're gone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, on the topic of dim, you know, I, I'm sure you do this where when you learn a new concept, you're like, well, let me try it on me. Oh, totally. Let me see how, yeah, <laughs> let me see how that works. So I tried that with dim about five years ago. And I'm a believer that if a little bit's good, you should probably take more mm. because that'll be a lot better. So I literally over a course of a week was like mega dosing <gasps> dim by Friday. I was such a hot mess. A hot, like being literal. Oh, hot flashes. <laughs> everything crying. <laughs> I was paranoid. I was irritable so much so that my husband was like, why don't you go for a run and come back? When I came back, he had made uh, dinner reservations at a really nice restaurant. And he's like, I think you need something else. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I, I traced back and I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. too much dim. Yeah. So okay, tell, tell yep. us about wine. Because As I drink out of my wine um, glass. <laughs> Yeah, right. Because, okay, let's go back to this picture of the woman over 40. So she's missing all these hormones. Her libido's down. She's (coughs) gaining weight. She's depressed. And a flipping glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Come on now. It tastes so good. And it's like that immediate satisfaction. But it's causing, is it causing the problem to be worse? Yes, it is. Oh, this is what's so hard. This is like the cruelest part of the whole story. It is. And so wine, alcohol in general, because I have women go, well, what about tequila? What about, you know, vodka? Yeah, I do vodka on go. the rocks with lemon. Can I do that instead? And I have a lot of women biohackers who are tell me, well, I can drink biodynamic wine, organic, right? I can yeah. drink. Certain tequilas on the rocks or with some, you know, I can drink vodka and sparkling water and lime and I'm fine. My my blood sugar is fine. But we know it affects sleep. We know it affects Mm. your phases of sleep. And at the end of the day, it's still alcohol. Your body still has to process the ethanol through the liver. And ethanol is stronger, in a sense, than estrogen. And it wins. And so when you are thinking of a funnel and everybody's coming to the funnel of the liver at the same time, 
ethanol will get ahead of the crowd and push estrogen to the back. And so if you have the occasional glass of wine, and this is definitely a hot topic. I have women that are like, adamantly, you shouldn't. It's a toxin. You should never. And I have others that are like, I do it occasionally. You know, it's, I'm just aware and I take my liver support and I enjoy my glass of wine. And so that's, I'm like, if you do it occasionally and it, if, you know, it screws up your sleep and you feel crappy the next day and you, you affect your estrogen, like, you know what you've done. And if, but if you're doing it consistently, it's the consistent women that are like, but I have a glass of wine every night, especially in the pandemic, right. especially in the pandemic. Yeah. I had more women go, ah, we were drinking a bottle a night or, you know, we were having a glass or two a night and because it, life sucked and, and I didn't realize the effect it was having on me. It affects your blood sugar and insulin. It's, you know, you're gaining that weight. It's, affecting your detox it, and depending what alcohol you drink it can be a toxin you know grapes are heavily yep. sprayed and so yeah. you know if you're not if you are just choosing run-of-the-mill cheap wine because it's cheap and it's you know you like it it's you're getting all the toxins in it as well yeah, when toxic. they press when they press the grapes and so then my biohacker friends are like why drink organic biodynamic wine i'm like yeah me too still alcohol <laughs> yeah still well, alcohol Okay, so this is my thing because I'm one of those people. This is why. This is the yeah. real reason I brought you on to interview again is because I got to get to the root root problem here yes. with wine. Um, so I do all dry farm mm-hmm. biodynamic, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm right now wearing a CGM. Same. Yep. So when right I there. yep. So, so when I when I drink wine, my blood sugar drops. And mine too. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but shouldn't that be a great thing? You still have to detox it. So for you to go to the liver. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us, is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Okay. What if I like slap on a castor oil pack? (laughs) That's what I do. I mean, the the great thing about being in this field and for the people listening are that like you don't, don't biohack an addiction. But you, but biohack, 
the occasional, right? So when I have yeah. when I have my biodynamic wine, then I take liver support, I take more glutathione, you know, I take N-acetylcysteine, I take um, resveratrol if I have it, you know, I take like I just <laughs> B vitamins, electrolytes, like I take all the things. I look ridiculous, and what's even worse, and I will fully admit this to people because I am not perfect. I swallow it with my wine. <laughs> <laughs> because in the moment I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to, you know, let's protect everything. Now, you know, do I, I drink once a week, twice a week, maybe two to, to once a month. It just depends on what's going on. Christmas right. and the holidays were more the month of January. I'm like, eh. And so that's what I tell women, but you can, but don't biohack an addiction, you know? So yeah. if somebody's like, well, I really like, two glasses a night. And so I'll just take everything Carrie just said and do a castor oil pack every night to, to get around it. It's, it's not, it's not, it's no, you can't do that. You got to face the okay. addiction. Well, so the, so what I did recently with the CGM, I was like, okay, well, so this is interesting because what's wine doing? It's relaxing me. Mm-hmm. So really my blood sugar is high because of stress. So why don't we go and address that mm-hmm. and not have to lean into the wine? Right. That's, that was my takeaway from, from seeing that. And it's, it's common. I was watching a webinar of, um, I I wish I could remember who it is to give him credit. And he was showing us the CGM of a, um, like a professional bodybuilder, like a day in his life or something. And it was, it was hilarious because the bodybuilder had written down everything on his day. Cause you know, you know, as you know, you can like enter in what you've done to see what this caused the spikes. And he had won some competition, this bodybuilder did. And he is, was he, like, he started out, you know, with massive copious amounts of champagne, you know, and then he did, you know, and then he had a steak dinner and then he had cake and then he had edibles and then he had more champagne. And it was really interesting to watch the roller coaster, but the champagne and the, the speaker was saying that it's common alcohol will help, um, improve the insulin response and then, and it can drop sugar. Now, I don't, when I drink biodynamic wine, I don't have a problem sleeping, but my, I wear an aura ring also. My aura ring stats aren't as good. My heart rate variability goes down, which is a bad thing. And my heart rate goes up, which is, wine does that. It makes your heart rate go up, which is not good either. But when I don't drink biodynamic, when I have just regular, like if I have a glass of wine at a restaurant, then I don't sleep that well. And my HRV goes down and my heart rate goes up. And so it's the toxins. It's it's completely, completely. It's a big difference. Sugar, yeah, it's a big difference. So, so interesting. um, And I like wine. You know, people are like, "Well, drink, drink tequila, Carrie, or vodka." I'm like, "Cause well, I like wine. Just like some people like whiskey and some people like beer. I like wine. So, yeah, that's the difference. Agreed. Okay. Okay, that's helpful. Okay, last question because I want to I want to respect your time. Yes. (laughs) We could talk all day. Um, so, um, right before your cycle, so we're all in my office and my resetters, we're either doing the aura ring mm-hmm. or we're doing whoop. whoop. Mm-hmm. And what we're noticing is that week between day, like day 21 to day 28, our recovery is crap. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that because of maybe potentially we have too, too low of progesterone. I mean, despite doing all the right things, right. we don't seem to recover well in that period. Is there an expl- a hormonal explanation for that? My guess would be the shift in estrogen and progesterone, especially if progesterone, just like you said, is lower. 
Yeah. Now, you would think because in the follicular phase, progesterone is naturally low, but you have a lot of estrogen in that follicular phase, Mm -hmm. right? And then in the the second half, in the luteal phase, you have estrogen, just not as much as you had during the rise and the surge in the follicular phase. And on top of it, you're supposed to have all this progesterone. And if you don't, as a woman, then it could cause problems. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the other trend we see on our Dutch test is a lot of low melatonin. A yeah. lot of low melatonin. Yeah. So is there anything we can do for women, help women as they go into that, especially perimenopausal women who might get a cycle every 60 days mm-hmm. and would love some extra sleep? Is there anything we can do to help her sleep yeah. during this time? So melatonin is primarily made in the gut, believe it or not. But it's the melatonin in our brain and the pineal gland that helps with the sleep. Melatonin is made from serotonin. So after you make serotonin, you make melatonin. Well, if you don't have the estrogen in the first place and you're struggling to make serotonin, you're going to struggle to make melatonin. But melatonin is really, really, really reactive to light and dark. And so I tell women, especially as they get older, you have to be diligent about either wearing your blue light blocking glasses at night, dimming the lights, winding down, getting off your phone, um, turning off your TVs, reading a real book, not an e-reader per se, and and because you want the darkness effect. And then in the morning, again, we're just trying to help our circadian rhythm, you want that full spectrum light effect. So going outside, you know, seeing um, light in the morning or the, the, the start of sunrise or fake it, buy a full spectrum light box They're not that expensive. They're 20 or 30 bucks online and turn it on in the morning for 10 or 20 minutes. And so I have a box. Well, mine's, it looks like a tablet on a little kickstand. And I just, I found, I have no affiliation. I found it on Amazon. I read all the reviews. It was good enough for me. And um, I have it in my kitchen so that when I feed my dog and I make my tea and I get my water and I connect my aura ring, you know, I check my CGM, <laughs> right? I do like all the things. It's like right there. And so it's, all, it's you know, it's like I, I-ish. And so it, I'm getting that, that lightness if it's, if it's dark. Now, the other thing for melatonin, obviously you can take melatonin. If, you know, that's an option. With melatonin, physiologic production of melatonin, which means normal level, how much do you normally make is quite low, believe it or not. It's 0.3 to 0.5 milligrams. And yet what's out there on the store? One, three, five milligrams. So we might be over melatonin ourselves for those women who use it. So for the perimenopausal women, I'm like, who needs it occasionally? I'm like, yeah, it can be really, it can be really helpful. Um, you yeah. know, but we see that too yeah. on Dutch test. Like these melatonin lines, they're like huge. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? It turns out they're supplementing. So, yes. So when you yeah. supplement, um, when you swallow it, it goes through what's called first pass. So anything you eat, breathe, drink, or swallow has to go through the liver first for, for a check. And then, it, the, and then the liver breaks it apart so it can deal with it. And when it breaks it apart, they're called metabolites. When melatonin breaks apart, it forms thousands and thousands and thousands of metabolites. So it doesn't mean a person's necessarily on too much. It just means the liver's doing its job. So the Dutch test is absolutely a baseline melatonin check. It's not a am I on too much check um, just because mm. of this thing called first pass. So, okay. yeah. And th- there's a number of like calming, as you, I mean, as you know, right? There's, there's um, things you can do at night for relaxation, right? Like holy basil and skullcap and passionflower and phosphatidylserine and magnesium and chamomile and 
you know, all these wonderful things that just help relax the body, relax the mind, relax the muscles and to, and as you're doing the wind down and being in the dark to help you go to sleep and stay to stay asleep, hopefully. Yeah. We, my husband and I have a pact that like after eight o'clock, we can't talk about anything controversial (laughs) because (laughs) it was winding me up so much that I could not get myself to go asleep and it was horrific. Which actually is a good point to bring up is that, you know, during the pandemic, especially, I mean, not that we're not out of it, but in the beginning, everybody was at home watching Netflix. And so everybody was watching Tiger King and they were watching serial killer shows. And I, and I'm like, no wonder you can't sleep. You know, you're watching all these whodunits and scary and they're watching like all these documentaries came out that were maddening, uh, good documentaries, but they're, you know, they stood for something good, but it made you mad, right? Watching it and they made you indignant. And so I'm like, well, of course you can't sleep because you're going to bed freaking out or indignant or, you know, discussing something or, you know, wanting to watch the next episode, but you know you shouldn't. And so you just be mindful of that. And I've, I've told more people that and they're like, oh, you know what? You're right. And everything's coming out online now, right? HBO, Disney Plus, Netflix, everything's got pushed to online. So now all these shows, people are binge watching their favorite show um and suddenly it's midnight one in the morning and then they can't figure out what they don't feel so great the next yeah they're completely stimulated and like what's going on i'm like because you just binge watched yeah (laughs) whatever show you know schitt's creek for all night long like you can't do that schitt's creek's the only one i can binge watch and go to sleep well that's that's true for sure but like when you're on your bright tv if you're that sensitive you know then it could be a problem so at least watch it with your blue light blocking glasses yeah (laughs) Okay, I've got five five questions specific to you, rapid fire, and, th- and then we're going to let you go. And I'm so grateful for your time. Okay, if there was one person of influence right now, and, I, and influence is sort of a, a obscure term, but one per- person in the world right now of influence that you could sit down and have a conversation with, who would it be and what would you want to talk to them about? <gasps> oh, my gosh. A person of influence that I would um, want to talk to. Honestly, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, I know you said it like influence, but honestly, it's the author, that author of that Come As You Are, Emily Nagoski, because I would have a whole lot of, you know, libido questions for her just to help women. I don't know her and I would love to sit down and talk to her like, let's, can we, can we have a better conversation about this? And she also wrote the book Burnout. And so just as a, just as an educator and as an author, I would love to know more just to help women more. You should go find her. I'm sure she'd love to chat with you. I'm going to. <laughs> I talk about her book all the time, so <laughs> I should. We have that with uh, Libby Weaver, who wrote Rushing Woman Syndrome. Go read her book. Amazing. And I, she is like another hormone hero. We just got confirmation she's going to come on my podcast. How cool is that? I know. It's like, you know, some people want to have, you know, the like Brene Brown. I want Rushing Woman Syndrome author. <laughs> like, then I'll take Brene. Brene would be a great one to talk to. I know there's so many, to, but I was like, who could I actually, who could I actually sit down? Like, that's more likely. <laughs> Emily's probably more likely. Okay. If you were on a desert island and you can only bring one biohacking tool, what would it be? Oh, honestly, it'd be my, my noise canceling headphones. Oh, really? But you're on an island. You might not hear anybody. Well, that's true. But yeah, so I, so I don't turn the, I don't turn them on at night, but I honestly sleep with noise canceling. Some people use earplugs. I sleep with noise canceling headphones on and it's made a world of difference in my sleep. I mean, I'm sure earplugs too, but your, my ears start to itch. 
after a while. And so I switched to headphones and that's made a world of difference uh, for my for my sleep. Oh, what are they? What brand? I think they're Bose. I think they're just the Bose, you know. And, and the reason I got into them was I was traveling so much for, for Dutch. I literally, well, I used to back when you could travel the world for Dutch. So I'm always on airplanes and I was always, and I can sleep on airplanes, but I always have my noise canceling headphones on. And, and then I'm in hotels, strange hotels. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going right. to sleep with these on and see how it works. And it, and now even at my house, I sleep with them on and it works great. Oh, okay. I got to try them out. I use a fan app. I turn this app on that's a fan and I just, and it just cancels everything out. And, but that could be even better. I do have the Uller. Speaking of biohack, yeah. do you? So I do have an Uller. And I do love that. It would be an expensive biohacking tool that I'd bring on my, if I got stranded on an island. But it is so, people ask me like, oh, do you like it? Do you think it's worth it? And at first I was like, man, I don't know. And now I'm obsessed, obsessed because I get cold at night and, you know, cold here. And so in the winter, so I'm, which is when I bought it, um, I like, it's like nice and toasty when I get in mm. and then, and then I turn it down and then I sleep really well. And then in the morning, I have it on warm wake up. So all of a sudden, I'll feel really warm. And I'm like, oh. And then you can't get out of bed. I just got one. And I actually am going to do an episode on it because I wasn't able to sleep in the same room as my husband because he was loud and he was moving around and I wasn't sleeping. It was me, too. I wasn't sleeping well. The Uller has allowed me to come back into bed with my husband, which is amazing. And because we can regulate the temperature and then if I get the noise under control, everything works. But that coolness underneath me as a 51-year-old menopausal woman is like, it's heaven. So I'm a big fan. So yeah. Okay. Best book you read in 2020? Atomic Habits. I thought I had it in here. It was Atomic Habits by James Clear. I thought I had it in here. Oh, um, that was my favorite and that I read, but like I was got really into personal development mindset stuff and I highlighted so much out of it. Um, so yeah, that was my favorite. Okay, cool. Red wine or white wine? I do, uh, red wine usually, but I do white wine in allergy season. Cause if I, I get, I have al- environmental allergies in the spring mm-hmm. and so al- in red wine can set off a histamine response. So I biohack it. <laughs> <laughs> So if I'm, if it's springtime and I'd like a glass of wine, I do a chilled white wine, dry wine, because, uh, that I don't get the histamine response like I do with red in allergy season. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Last question. If you have a message for the world, if you could implant one thing into everybody's brain, especially right now, what would that be? Uh, So it's, I say it, well, I have two. One is, uh, one is healing happens at joy. So there was a... I wish I forgive remember her name. This is terrible. C44. Um, she was talking about vibrational levels and she said healing happens at the vibrational level of joy. And I was like, that is brilliant. So finding joy, spreading joy, being joy, reading about joy is I journal about. I, it's one of my statements when I journal healing happens at joy. I am joyful. And so that's what I try to focus on. But the second thing that's more of a biohackery thing I said earlier, it's the light and dark thing. So we have clock genes in our brain and clock, like the clock in your wall, dictate in our human body our rhythm in a day, right? And so our rhythm in a day, we are 24-hour human beings, but our clock genes are a little longer. They're, not, they're a little bit more than 24 hours. So we have to set a clock gene with light and we fix or reset a clock gene with darkness, 
That's how we do it. And so for all the people listening, if you have rhythm issues, sleep issues, energy issues, reproductive issues, um, cycle issues, you have to reset your clock gene and you do it. It's free and easy. Like sleep in the dark, get off your light, bright stuff at night, wind down. And in the morning, get, try to get some lightness, some brightness into your eyes and do it consistently. And it helps with rhythm. So, ah, that was incredible. Okay. I, I over, overstayed my, my interview here. So I just want to thank you again. I, your Instagram is incredible. You can tell you do it as, as a passion project, but yeah, but it, we're all learning from it. And thank you for letting me pick your brain. You are my hormonal hero. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Yes. Anytime. Of course. Thank you. Uh Have an awesome day. Hey, Resetters, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for all your wonderful reviews and those of you that have left me comments on iTunes. I just greatly appreciate your thoughtfulness and how much you guys are enjoying these episodes. And it, and it seems like you're enjoying them as much as I am enjoying doing them. One of the things that I've learned in just interacting with so many people is that we've really lost the art of deep conversation. And for me, the Resetter Podcast stands for having meaningful conversations with people who are thinking about health, about life, about mindset in a way that we may not be getting on social media or in mainstream media. And so I just want to say, give you guys a shout out and just say thank you for participating in this process with me. Because as much as I absolutely love delivering the information to you, I love even more knowing that it's impacting your life. So please let us know if there's anything we can do to make this podcast more customized to you, to make it better. We are now officially in season two, and we are working to bring you the best conversations that health influencers have, that mindset changers can give, and to really deliver you something that you're not able to get anywhere else. So from the bottom of my heart, as I always say in my YouTube, from the bottom of my heart, I am deeply appreciative of you. I am deeply grateful to be on this journey with you and let's get healthy together.